Good morning. Thank you and welcome to TerraTech's first quarter 2017 financial results conference call. A replay of this call will be available at www.smallcapvoice.com and will be archived on the investor relations section of the TerraTech website. Before we begin, please let me remind you that during the course of this conference call, TerraTech's management may make forward-looking statements. These forward-looking statements are based on current expectations that are subject to a number of risks and uncertainties that may cause actual results to differ materially from expectations. These risks are outlined in the risk factor section of our SEC filings. Any forward-looking statements should be considered in light of these factors. Please also note as a safe harbor, any outlook we present is as of today and management does not undertake any obligation to revise any forward-looking statements in the future. With me on the call today are Mr. Derek Peterson, Terratech's Chairman and Chief Executive Officer, and Mr. Mike James, Chief Financial Officer. With that, I would now like to hand over the call to Derek. Thank you, Phil, and thank you for all the investors and shareholders that are joining us today to discuss Terratech's 2017 first quarter results and provide an operational and business update. Today on the call with me is uh, Phil Set, as Mike James, our CFO, is going to give a more in-depth dive into our financial results later on in the call. Um, we're holding the call early this morning, and obviously from New York, we just finished up the Canaccord conference, so we've got to, we had to switch the time up a, a little bit. That being said, I'm also losing my voice, so I'm going to struggle a little bit through this call, so bear with me, but uh, appreciate everybody taking time to attend. Um, Canaccord, as you guys know, is one of the few leading investment banks that's currently active in the cannabis sector right now. We've had a really interesting couple of days talking with finance professionals and witnessing how the industry has gained credibility amongst institutional investors. It's also pretty encouraging for us here to experience the continued buzz in the industry and learn more about what's happening up in the Canadian market. Uh, financials, revenues of $6.82 million, which is an increase of 340% compared to the prior year. Year-over-year -year increase was due to revenue generated by Bloom Oakland sales from all of the Nevada dispensaries and from the sale of our proprietary IVEX products. It was a strong start to 2017, and we're on track to meet our annual revenue guidance, which is $38 to $40 million for 2017. Last year, we focused primarily on efforts on establishing a retail present with the opening of four Nevada dispensaries, located three in Las Vegas area and one up in Reno, as well as our Oakland facility in Northern California. As a result, we entered 2017 with good momentum. We're pleased to see the results of last year's strategic achievements and drive strong sales this quarter. Oakland, California, we have again a retail dispensary. This was our first dispensary and our entry into the California marketplace. It's fully operational and it served as the blueprint for the additional dispensaries we opened up through the Nevada market and also we'll be opening up more in the California market in the, in the coming months. California is a major cannabis market, as everybody knows. It's the sixth largest economy in the world. And this quarter, we took steps to continue to build out the presence in what we believe is a dominant market. New, uh, the new Oakland Cultivation Facility, which we announced not too long ago, is a state-of-the-art cultivation facility that's under construction in Oakland. It's about 13,000 square feet when it's expected to produce over one metric ton of premium IVEX cannabis per year. Fully automated environmental controls, anticipated to reduce costs significantly, it's also going to be a huge opportunity for us to, like I said, continue to feed that IVEX brand as well as the concentrates, pre-rolls, flowers, and those types of things. We expect full production capacity by no later than the end of Q4 2017. In addition, we won a permit in San Leandro for both a retail dispensary as well as an additional production lab. San Leandro is an up-and-coming city, which is kind of in the midway point between Oakland and uh, San Jose, which was a bit of a vacuum for permitted dispensaries that we're able to fill with one of our additional locations. 
We expect to complete the construction of this dispensary by the end of third quarter 2017, open to the public by the fourth quarter of 2017. That's a state-of-the-art production lab. We're going to be increasing our infrastructure for to produce our IVEX concentrates for distribution throughout the California marketplace. In addition, we've, like I said, opened up several dispensaries in the Las Vegas market, in the Nevada market. We have one on Western Ave, Decatur Ave, Des Desert Inn, all uniquely surrounding the Las Vegas Strip, just a few minutes' drive from each, uh, for each location. We also have a premier location in downtown Reno, which has actually been one of our better-performing dispensaries in the Nevada marketplace. Distribution, sales, and marketing of IVEX products. So IVEX, as everybody knows, is our wholesale brand. We focus this particular brand on high-quality, rigorously tested products. We've been continuing to expand this product lineup by adding additional items into the supply chain. Uh, most recently, a full line of premier uh, vaporizer carts, uh, both CBD, one-to-one -one ratio THC to CBDs, as well as a full gold and silver line that we're marketing through aggressively throughout the California marketplace. Edible Garden, we purposely, as we said uh, during our K-Call, we terminated the sales of Edible Garden's floral business because it was such a low margin, it was no longer a primary focus. I think if you re remember back to what I said on the K-Call, we, uh, we kept that business intact for some time because we were afraid the retailers wouldn't take our produce if we also weren't serving, servicing them the floral business. Now that the, the produce has gained such a distinctive market share in these retailers that we're dealing with, we're able to back off from the floral business, which, again, has been a bit of a distraction. It's low margin, and, we, and, and part of our focus was expanding gross margins on a go-forward basis. This was a huge step to be able to do that. Uh, we, you know, we would have had an additional million dollars or so of sales like we did the prior year if we had continued this business, but, again, we want to make sure we're focusing on highly accreted activities on a go-forward basis. We expect to see improved results from Edible Garden as the year progresses, and we have the infrastructure right now, fully automated infrastructure in place to support the growth of part of this business over the next 12 to 18 months. M&A opportunities, we've built significant cash balances as we look for potential opportunities in both the California and Nevada marketplace. Our primary motivation right now is to continue to acquire retail dispensaries, specifically in the Southern California and LA marketplace. We closed the quarter out with about $10 million in cash, which is a nice bit of a war chest for us to be able to execute when we find the right opportunities. A little bit about the regulatory environment. Nevada, uh, I don't know if everybody saw, but this week the Nevada Tax Commission adopted temporary regulations proposed by the Department of Taxation that are going to allow the state to issue recreational marijuana licenses by July 1. Most of the regulations were copied from the state's medical marijuana program, so they're identical from an operational standpoint. The state of Nevada budgeted to receive $70 million from recreational marijuana taxes over the next two years. We think that's a conservative budget considering the 50 million people that come in and out of a few square miles on an annual basis. Recreational revenues to TerraTech will start in the second half of 2017. So that's very important. We're going through the application processes right now, and we anticipate having firm success with, with, uh, with allocating uh, recreational adult use uh, permits for each one of our locations in the Nevada marketplace, and that we could begin selling to anybody over the age of 21 come July, sometime after July 1. California, as you've read, their recreational initiative, which we think is going to be a significant uptick in business, is going to start in the first half of 2018. <clears throat> Excuse me. In addition, uh, the Rohrbacher Farr Amendment at a federal level, which was set to expire, was reauthorized in the current spending bill. This obviously expires towards the end of the year, but it gives us the protections that we were hoping for as we adjust to the opinion and stance of the new administration coming into the 2017 climate. I'm now going to turn the call over to Mike James, Teratech's Chief Financial Officer, to review our financials. Mike? Thank you, Derek, and good morning, everyone. 
I will now provide you with a summary of our first quarter 2017 results. For the more detailed results, please refer to the press release we issued earlier today, which is posted on our website, along with the Form 10-Q filed with the Securities and Exchange Commission. In addition, please note that we compile our financials under U.S. GAAP, including our non-operating expenses. For the three months ended March 31, 2017, we generated revenues of $6.82 million, compared to $1.55 million for the three months ended March 31, 2016, an increase of approximately $5.28 million, or 340%. The increase was primarily due to revenue generated by Bloom Oakland, as well as sales from the four Nevada dispensaries, which opened during the course of last year, and the sales of its wholesale IBEX cannabis products. We are pleased to have maintained strong sales in what is traditionally considered the weakest season for cannabis sales. Our gross profits for the three months ended March 31, 2017 were approximately 359000 compared to gross profits of approximately 134000 for the three months ended March 31, 2016, an increase of approximately 255000 a gross margin percentage for the three months ended March 31, 2017 was approximately 5% compared to approximately 9% for the three months ended March 31, 2016. The dollar increase was attributable to the cannabis segment in the amount of 475,000, an increase of 253,000, I'm sorry, a decrease of 253,000 was from the produce and herb section segment. SG&A expenses for the first quarter of 2017 were approximately $6.39 million compared to approximately 2.05 for the three months ended March 31, 2016. The increase was primarily due to costs associated with the new medical cannabis dispensaries, including advertising and promotions, amortization expenses, increasing staffing, consulting fees, and adding accounting, security, and licensing fees. We incurred a net loss of approximately $10.11 million, or $0.02 cents per share, for the three months ended March 31, 2017, compared to a net loss of $4.13 million, or $0.01 cent per share, for the three months ended March 31, 2016. The primary reasons for the increase in the net loss were a decrease in cost of goods sold as a percentage of revenue, a significant increase in sales, general and administrative expenses during the three months ended March 31, 2017, compared to the prior year's fiscal quarter. Now turning to the balance sheet, on March 31, 2017, we had a cash balance of approximately $10.25 million, compared to a balance of approximately $9.75 million at December 31, 2016. Short-term debt as of March 31, 2017 amounted to approximately 505000 a decrease of approximately 11% compared to the approximate 564000 as of December 31, 2016. Stockholders' equity for the first quarter of 2017 amounted to $49.8 million compared to $52.2 million as of December 31, 2016. Now I'd like to turn the call over to Derek Peterson for some closing comments. Mike, thank you. And uh, just in summary, um, we've got, a, again, a new cultivation facility in Oakland that will be coming online to support the IVEX brand as well as the Bloom Retail Facility in Northern California as well as San Leandro. We've got an extraction and a retail dispensary in San Leandro coming online this year. Again, we've opened four retail locations in the Nevada marketplace that are currently up and running and will be servicing the adult recreational market beginning in July 1st. 
the Oakland facility will be beginning to serve as the adult use recreational market sometime after January in 2018. The regulatory environment, as unclear as it is, the states, both California and Nevada, where we're heavily embedded, are aggressively moving forward in protecting their medical marijuana initiatives as well as their adult use recreational initiatives. Uh, with communication to the federal government. We've been increasing our cash balances as potential M&A opportunities arrive. And in terms of revenue guidance, as we said in the prior annual call, we're anticipating revenue this year between 38 and 40 million for 2017. Again, I want to take a moment and thank the operating team. I want to thank our auditors, MGO. I want to thank uh, our shareholders, our directors, our officers. And again, to, to reiterate, most importantly, our shareholders, most of you have been with us for a tremendous amount of time. We thank you very much for taking the time this morning to listen to this, and I'd like to turn the call back over to Phil Carlson to answer some questions that everybody emailed in. Thanks, Derek. Uh, the first question, does the revenue guidance range of 38 to 40 million include recreational going legal in Nevada in the second half of 2017? Yeah, I mean, that was a very, very challenging thing for us to be able to estimate what the sales were ultimately going to look like um, in, a, in a virgin market like that, essentially, that has no historical run rate. So it does include that to the degree that we're able to estimate what that what that turnover will look like. We certainly know that that uh, that there's 50 million people coming in and out of Nevada on an annual basis. The numbers out of uh, out of Colorado are increasing on a month by month basis in terms of recreational sales. We think Nevada is a billion dollar plus marketplace ultimately, just strictly because of the tourism. Not to mention the embedded community that lives there as well. And there's really only about, of the 50-something dispensaries, there's really only about 30 or 35 of those that are within a five-minute drive of the Las Vegas Strip. Nobody's really going to drive 20 minutes away from the Strip to, to get their recreational cannabis. So we think we're going to be able to inherit a tremendous amount of that business because of our locations, one by the Convention Center, one by the uh, Wind and Encore and Stratosphere, and the other one a straight shot down from the Cosmopolitan. So we're, we're uniquely positioned, as well as our premier location in in the uh, the northern Cal or the northern Nevada marketplace in Reno, to be able to assume a tremendous amount of this recreational business on a go forward basis. Okay, uh, what is Terratech's future with cannabis eventually going legal nationally? You know, I think with the IDXX brand, if you if you kind of look at how we've positioned that in the marketplace, it's a really a recreational driven brand. I mean, if it, it, to me, it looks like something like a high cost high-end cosmetic or a high-end watch box. We really position that brand with the look and feel to kind of be focused and oriented towards the adult use recreational market. So that, that kind of brand really works well with the, with the, with the elite, say, uh, Nevada nightclub life, uh, the, the, the California lifestyle. And so we're going to put about a tremendous amount of energy into the marketing and advertising in that brand, really positioning it towards a lifestyle-type brand in both those marketplaces. Okay. Uh, what obstacles do you see in your way? I, I think a lot of it's just the, the, the you know, the, the federal stance right now and the uncertainty, but that's something we've been dealing with since 2010, so it's not unusual to us. We've worked in hostile environments, we've worked in supportive environments, and we've worked in environments that fluctuated back and forth. Uh, the difference today versus, you know, a handful of years ago is last November we had eight of the nine uh, initiatives passed. Uh, at a statewide level during the elections. And the only one that failed was Arizona, and it really only failed by a very small margin. So I think the political leaders are beginning to understand the constituents are asking for this. Uh, the libertarian-minded Republicans are even asking for states' rights to be able to be respected. So regardless of the new attorney general's positioning, I think we're going to see a tremendous amount of debate over how this 
unfolds this kind of ending of prohibition over the next few years. But I think if the administration themselves decides to develop an aggressive stance, this might be the catalyst that we've all been waiting for to have Congress begin to take some more concrete action, which they didn't feel they needed to take in the Obama administration. Where do you think the cannabis industry is headed in the next five years? Uh, you know, all things remaining equal, um, away from the kind of the federal legislative issues or regulatory issues. You know, I think we see broader, diver- you know, divergence and bifurcation between medical and adult use. I think medical begins to become very medical uh, and focusing on the development of different cannabinoid structures and those types of things and different delivery mechanisms. And then I think the adult use really becomes, you know, a lifestyle brand very similar to how alcohol is dealt with from a, from a sales standpoint, a marketing standpoint, a branding standpoint. So that's what I see, divergence between medical, adult use, and both of those finding footing in, 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 in an environment that they, that they should be in, which is, again, medical being highly medical and scientific and tested in nature, and then the adult use being kind of developed more around recreational brands, lifestyle brands, and, and those types of things. Does Terratech have any plans to make inroads into Canada? Not right now. Our primary, again, we, you know, we, 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 we work in the sixth largest economy in the world. Uh, California is the biggest marijuana market in the world. So, you know, we've got that in our backyard. For us to set up additional offices, teams, lobbyist attorneys, and those types of things, we're really trying to make efforts to cut costs and streamline cash flow and expand margins. That's really outside of our purview right now. What our primary focus is is making sure we capitalize on both the Nevada and California markets as, as much as we possibly can. With cannabis becoming recreational in Nevada in the second half of 2017, what does Terratech need to do in order to take advantage of this new market? Are there licenses you need to apply for, or is Bloom ready to sell to the average consumer? That's a good question. So, yeah, we're going through all the kind of administrative application processes at each one of the locations right now. A lot of it's really just a formality. Uh, but we're in that application process right now in the, in, in the multiple markets we work in in Nevada, and uh, we anticipate coming out with recreational uh, permits for each one of our locations to be able to participate in the Early Start program. Okay. Uh, is San Leandro still on target to open the second half of 2017? Uh, we're, that's pushed out maybe a, a quarter or so just because of building permits. So you know, I always try to, when we first gave those, uh, those timelines, we always try to wrap those with we can only do so much. A lot of it's just waiting for building permits and city permits and those types of things. So we're still on track for a little bit later than that, but we're working aggressively to get it, get it done as fast as possible. We want to make sure we can, we can get that thing ramped up and active and trained, have the staff trained before the implementation of the 2008 adult use. Is there a plan and uh, plan and path towards uplisting? You know that's always been a focus of ours. Yeah, and, and if you look at our fundamental structure between the amount of shareholders that we have, there's the 50 million plus in shareholders equity. I mean, we meet most of the quantitative standards right now, besides the price per share. Um, I just don't think those indexes are going to be open to this until there's some measure of federal guidance in terms of what the government's positioning is in this, as well as the opening up of the banking. So what we're doing is building our business between now and then, making sure we continue to drive top-line growth, expand margins, build shareholders' equity, and, uh, and position the company to be able to be one of the first to uplift. So we're, you know, we're in communication as much as we possibly can be, but I think a lot of that's going to hinge around the federal government's position on, on both adult use and medical cannabis. Okay. Last question. Can you discuss the selling of shares from insiders? <laughs> I mean, that's, that's always a hot topic, you know, Phil, and I think we discussed that, you know, frequently in the past. And, and let me just say this. I can only speak for myself. I mean, everybody sells some stock here and there because, you know, everybody has financial needs. But 
you know, the, the one thing about being a, an operator in this space, whether it's the CEO, whether it's Mike the CFO, or anybody that's embedded at a management level, we, we suffer a lot of things your average CEO doesn't suffer. And I'll give you, I'll give you a couple examples. Um, you know, I've had, I've had my personal bank account shut down several times. Uh, we've had uh, my COO, Ken, has had to, to has his kids' college, or college savings plans shut down. He's had his banking shut down. Um, I can't apply for a traditional mortgage like everybody else can. I've got to put more money down if I need to buy a piece of real estate for my family. Um, there's a lot of extra headaches and expenses and headwinds that we occur as operators in the cannabis space that, again, um, no other person really has to deal with from, a, from, a, from an operational standpoint. And these things become cumbersome. They become expensive over time. They become cumbersome. And, you know, we, we do sell stock on an annual basis, most of us, and a lot of times it's around tax time. A lot of the stock that we receive, you know, creates phantom income and those types of things. We need to make sure we have some measure of liquidity to, to meet those demands. And then, again, just like everybody else, we're human beings. We have families to take care of. And, you know, if you look at the sales that I've made, over the seven years that I've been running the company, I've probably sold about 1% of my position, give or take, on an annual basis. So all of the management is still heavily embedded. Uh, we've got a tremendous amount of share exposure in the company right now. Our success is driven by the performance of the stock, unequivocally. We're not here to make you know a few bucks on a monthly basis. We're here for expansion in the share price. We're here for expansion in the company because we're all essentially eating from the same table. We all carry a significant amount of systemic risk if this doesn't work across the board. What else you got, Phil? That's it. Oh, okay. Well, again, on behalf of the uh, operators, the officers, directors, we want to thank all the shareholders, interested investors that took the time to listen to our call today. We look forward to following up with our Q2 conference call and sharing our financial performance as we work through the remainder of the year. Thank you very much, everybody.